Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Ryan Dillon, a comedian, actor, and writer you may know from Montreal's Just for Laughs, Toronto's JFL 42, or uh, Sirius XM's Top Comic, where he was a finalist. He also did a thing for Kevin Hart's streaming site, LOL, and he'll be hosting the 2017 installment of the East Coast Comedy Review down at Harborfront Centre in Toronto at 8pm on Friday, July 14th. Ryan picked Up, the wonderful 2009 animated feature from veteran Pixar director Pete Docter, about a widower who flies his house to Venezuela to fulfill a promise to his late wife. It's an unconventional pitch, to be sure, and on its face it doesn't really sound like the premise for a grand CGI blockbuster, but Pete Docter is a genius and he spins a wonderful story out of it, opening with heartbreak and moving into something delightful and even awe-inspiring with a truly magnificent voice performance from Ed Asner as Carl Fredrickson, the accidental hero who discovers that it's never too late to have your first adventure, and if you're really lucky, you get to meet a talking dog. This is someone else's movie. Buddy, Up is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. Uh, I'm a, I was always a Pixar fan, for one, like since I was a kid, so I was born in 1990, so the 90s, I was a like 90s kid, for mm-hmm. sure, so... I remember seeing the first Toy Story movie and seeing a full CGI movie, and I knew what re- I, and I watched reboot, you know, the, right, and yeah. everything. But seeing Toy Story as a kid, I had the V, like I had a Buzz Lightyear toy, I had everything. Like I was Andy in my head, like mm. oh my god, the idea of toys coming to life was just such a your connects to you, and just all of them, Bugs Life, like I just with all of them. But I remember seeing Up, and I mean everyone talks about the first ten minutes of Up, you know, everyone knows that, like yeah. it's yeah. like it's the most emotional thing that's ever happened in your life in film, <laughs> and it. But I, I think to me, up the reason why I love Up the most out of all the Pixar movies, especially, is that it's just such a bizarre story, but that should not make sense and mm. should not be successful because it's like if you imagine walking into a studio and pitching, an eighty-year-old man pairs up with a with a kid, goes on an adventure in this country, to, and and fights uh, on a blimp with these dogs that talk. Yeah. I'd be like, okay. All right, adult. Or I think the Cartoon Network or Adult Swim's down the road. You can talk to those guys yeah, and make no. it serious. But just good storytelling. It's just such good storytelling, and it just makes you connect with all these characters, even the dog and the bird and everything. Like you just, like Doug, you just connect to all of them, and you feel you somehow makes all these characters relatable, even though they shouldn't. Like I should not find something relatable in this eighty-year-old man or this dog. But like I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like to miss someone, and the kid. Like I know what it's like to be a loser, and like you just. I don't know, Up just like, it's just like, it just shows Pixar's strength in storytelling and filmmaking that they can really just fully embrace being weird and different and not having to like conform to like a princess story or like, you know, the hero's journey. Like, they, don't, they can just kind of make it what they want it to be and just like, you're just on board, right? And just visually too, like, it's just like the image of a house with like all these balloons. It's just, there's some sense of adventure with that. And then, um, and just when you see him as a kid, when his wife to be it and stuff, yeah. and like you remember doing that as a kid, like pretending to be adventurers and this and that, Indiana Jones in your backyard, and uh, I don't know, I just always like what year did it come out again? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nineteen when it came out. I was in university, uh, just started university, and I was an improviser. I wasn't a stand up yet, okay. but I was just like an improv. And improv was always about good storytelling and stuff like that, and I loved Pixar movies for that. 
I remember seeing Up just going like this. Up is just a giant imp- long, improv long form. Yeah, now that, that you just it, kept yeah. going. Yeah, you just because you just here. yes, you just said yes to everything. Yeah. Like this dog comes in, and starts talking. Yep. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we just go with and it. And there are other dogs. And now there are other yeah. dogs. And it's just like and it just heightens perfectly. And it just everyone just accepts. But it, the old man is obviously the point of view of the audience because he's very like ah. What? Like yeah, that's true. And it's just like you don't like get it, but he still goes with it. He's just like eh, like a talking dog, and then he's like, all right, like he just goes. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I love all the other Pixar movies. Uh, Cars two gives me a headache, but yeah, we won't speak. We won't speak of Cars two. We won't speak of the Cars films uh, or the Good Dinosaur, for that matter. Well, that one's sort of okay. It's that's the problem is that it's okay. Yeah, like it was just okay. It's and there funny. Was some... in my head, I don't even see it as a Pixar movie. I don't either. I, like, shifted it off to the Walt Disney it. Studios animation section. It feels more like a DreamWorks film when it, when I think yeah. about it. Like, like the story yeah. like, has simple like there's little touches that are Pixar moment, but just like. I don't know, I just felt... Yeah, The Good Dinosaur was bizarre watching, because it's just like... felt like you were really... You can tell there was, like, the storytelling. They were really trying to figure it out. The guy from that TV show... What was it called? It did five seasons of Friday Nights on Oh, Fox. Raising Hope. Yeah, Raising Lucas, Hope. Lucas Neff. Yeah, so he was supposed to voice the dinosaur. Yeah, and then they... I mean, he did. He did the entire performance. He did the whole thing, and then the they scrapped cast. it to make him younger. Mm. And uh, stuff. And, uh, and I kind of get it, too, because when that show just came out... That's how Pixar does it, right? They pick a good actors that are good, but they're not big, but they have risk. Like that show was a good show, and critics loved it. And I remember seeing Raising Hope, thought it was awesome. It was a Malcolm mm-hmm. in the Middle for this for the next gen, but it was, um, yeah, it's just like. But then they get it got cut and they delayed, 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 and it's like, well, and he, he hasn't done anything since, and it's just like mm-hmm. he's on Downward Dog now. Actually, I never seen Downward Dog. Uh, it just started. It moves to Tuesdays, like today, oh, when cool. this thing drops. Oh, like a summer show. Yeah, that's yeah. great. He shot it. Well, like good for him because I thought he was really funny in that show, mm-hmm. and I was like, he deserves more. Mm-hmm. But Up, though, yeah, I, I think hands down, like, there's a lot of great Pixar films, but to me, Up just like, I don't know, it's so rewatchable because I always feel like I get something different every time I see it because it's just so bizarre. It's just such a bizarre friggin' story, but it's all rooted in, in just honest emotions and just like and just agree and in storytelling, it just agrees to the world around mm-hmm. it and doesn't try and defy it you know what I mean yeah. there's not that there's not that TJ Miller character or something like what's this what's going on yeah. like that's calling out everything and making it's, it's not self aware it just embraces the whimsical story of it all and uh, and just him and the old guy and the kid are just two friggin losers that are alone in this world and they find each other and there's just something very sweet about that and, yeah. yeah I love it I, I love had it. I had never considered it as Pixar's weirdest movie, but I think you're right. Like, it is. Nothing that's come since. There's like a sense of like, all their other pitches, there's like, like a sense of like, uh, of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like okay, so like, there, it's like, pre- concept, that kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, like, like toys that come to life when you're not in the room. Like, that's a premise that I feel like, oh, that's so like, of course, you know what I mean? Like, right, oh, right, that's right. such a good idea because it makes sense. Bugs, and then you do Bugs Life and you see like, you know, the worker ants being bullied, blah, blah. It's like, that makes sense in context of ants and this, that. And then you go on to this movie and then go on and forth. And then when you get to Up, and you know, oh, it's an old guy, blah, blah, And you're like, what? Yeah. And it's it's the first one. You're like, say that last pitch again? Yeah. They're all otherwise easily digestible. Like, even even Cars is still a world of cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Monsters Incorporated, very simple. They scare oh us yeah, for they a scare reason. us for that. Like, there's it's all that. such a like. It makes sense. It's like that's why. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it explains yeah. it, the the pitch explains it. Right. The secret and, lives of blank is somebody pointed. Yeah. Out the secret lives of blank. Whatever. And uh, and uh, yeah. And then when you get into even their mo- like Wally too. Like and again, that's a pretty intense movie, especially the first forty minutes because it's like a it's like the best Charlie Chaplin film he didn't make. Yeah. But uh, 
again, there's like a robot that's designed to clean up the, and we have this you know the, the the age old story of how we ruin the planet and we need to leave and we come back and it's like of course it makes total sense so what's your if I had to ask you because we it, it's so funny uh, me being on this podcast was totally brought on just from arguing on Twitter for a brief second about yeah. the top 10 top what was it the top since 2000 somebody was starting yeah it was the New York Times right they were trying to do the, the best Pixar films oh see I didn't know that I thought you were just starting the conversation oh I see but yeah, uh, yeah. but still it, I just love that it started with you saying Ratatouille, Ratatouille. is totally. the best um, Pixar film since 2000 that's what you said I think I think so I mean uh, I thought about it and then the, the bit that I just came up with was that everything that anyone suggested was tied for second with because yeah. they're all Oh right, yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's not like it's like one is all the way up here and one's down here. It's like minuscule, like it's mm-hmm. like a degree of what's better than 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 the other. Yeah, it's like a periodic table. They're just one off. There's yeah. not like there's no considered advantage. And Ratatouille is amazing. Yeah. I love Ratatouille, and Patton Oswalt is perfectly cast as just this rat that just trying to make sense of just he just wants to cook and this and that. Like it's just yeah, yeah. it's so bad. <laughs> Patton Oswalt is perfect in it, and it's beautiful it's a beautiful film like it's it's very they use a much more softness in that film i found mm-hmm. like like especially with like france and like all the food and, like it felt like every, all the there was a, nothing was really sharp everything had a softer smooth feel to it which yeah. was really interesting i really really liked it in mm-hmm. fact everything was like a painting yeah and it leads you into that memory at the end which is exactly the sort of gentle flow to the whole thing that then pays off with that incredible smack of clarity yeah, 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 and, and it's 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 super funny, and it's again very honest. Like he just wants to make food and this and that, and it's a very great story, great storytelling. Again, he just accepts that this rat is controlling him. But to me, I felt like Up was the better one because again, remember what we were saying? Like, to- like the toys can talk, and you're like, you get yeah. it, and then like a rat. You know, you think a rat's yeah. bad, bad, but it wants to be a creature that wants, wants to be a yeah. cook, and, and you're like, oh, of course, that makes sense. But then when you pitch up, you're just like. Sorry, can you just pitch that again one more time? <laughs> but I get definitely not going to disagree that I'm definitely going to agree that Ratatouille is amazing. But if I, I probably would put up just like just a bar above it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as soon as I said it too, there I was suddenly kicking myself over the Incredibles, which you know. See, and when you brought you brought that up, perfect. Oh, you brought up the Incredibles too, and I went, "Fuck, that's a really good one too." Yeah, that was like, and you know, looking back now, like when I watched the Incredibles. Again, I was like, that was 2004, 2005? Yeah, 2004. 2004. So I was 14 when that came out. So I was like, I was the prime target of that PG-13. Was it PG-13? Was no, it? I think it was PG. It was PG, yeah. Because uh, I remember there being guns. There, and there's a speech about how it's okay to kill. Yeah, which yeah. Which is sort of great. Yeah, for yeah. Pixar. Yeah. And, and Brad uh, Bird, who just, you know, couldn't uh, not do that. Oh, I know. Brad Bird's amazing. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just remember... Yeah. Frank, that's such a good movie, mm. and it, and it, now looking back, it was ahead of its time. Yeah, because like especially with the you couldn't expect this. You know, Iron Man wasn't out yet. The idea of oh yeah, no, uh, the whole superhero renaissance thing hadn't even started. No, we're this is like the era of Blade, <laughs> like like like, and this Blade movie, three, yeah. Blade Three. You you remember Blade Three, the peak of cinema? Uh, uh, <laughs> the, Oswald does, I'm sure. Yes, the, the yes he does. Oh my god, him talking about that is the funniest thing. Yeah. That's like that's where the Incredibles emerges from, I think, because it's yeah. Brad Bird thinking, "Why won't anybody get the Fantastic Four right? Well, I'm just going to make it a family story, like a real, literal family story." Yeah, and that yeah. gives us like that's I didn't even like, think about that. Yeah. That's what Pixar does too. Yeah. They take a thing that you know and they make the best possible version of yeah. it, which again brings us to up where this is unprecedented. Yeah, it really like maybe Finding Nemo. 
in terms of a narrative that you have never seen before, but Finding Nemo is still a lost kid story. Yeah, it's still yeah. So I agree with you there. It's definitely still a lost kid story. So you can see where it's something you can connect with of a story you've heard before. Yeah, the mechanics are already. And in again, place. and even enough, there is the mechanic too of just how you know, it, you know, uh, being older and he just like he had this plan to live and he never got the chance with her and now he's gonna, you know, do it now like his kind of end life crisis. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you kind of, those mechanics, but for a kid, a kid, that's the thing that I always thought was really interesting about the movies that I know a lot of, you know, I, again, when that came out, I was a little older, but I had cousins that were younger than me mm-hmm. that loved it. And I don't know, they made it relatable to kids, an 80 year old guy who missed out and, or not missed out, but just didn't have that chance with someone to go do this big plan and the love of his life. And I don't know why, but that's still like, I don't even know where I connect that to, but I was like, I get it. Like, I just like, you want like. I guess, like, as a young comedian at the time, or wanted a, the dream of being a comic, which I never thought I could possibly be, even that, you know, and then I just went for it. Yeah. Um, thanks to Up. <laughs> but no, just, like, the idea of just, like, just going for it or not waiting and, and, and stuff like that. Like, that, I think, I think that's something that maybe young kids and you can't, you can't wrap your mind around until you're older, right? Because they think they're going to live forever. Sure. And yeah. they, don't, they don't feel the age, they don't feel age yet. So yeah. they think they're invincible and indestructible and everything's going to be fine. And they see whole life flash before their eyes in 10 minutes all the tragedy and all the amazing and this and him losing someone and then uh and making that relatable and that's again why i think up stands up so well for me is that this bizarre story just had so many relatable things when it really shouldn't have like (laughs) none of them i remember watching the first trailer and like even like the press releases and everyone being like what is going on like what is this movie about and everyone's like well it's pixar and and everyone thought it might be their first bomb because they were like, it's very weird and very confusing, but then it was a huge hit and it was like one of their bigger hits. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was just awesome. I mean, do you th- I was wondering if kids could connect to through Russell just because... Oh, for sure. Like, he gets to go on an adventure. He gets to be not just... Like, it's a kid's fantasy because there's no real danger and, and you get to be a hero even yeah. though you're not actually accomplishing anything. I, yeah, yeah. I felt connected to Russell because uh, he was a scout like mm-hmm. a, an imitated scout thing so woodland adventure woodland adventure something like that and i was in air cadets okay. which is you know a military funded boy scouts i mean it's not real military i mean they'll argue that it is but sure yeah i'm gonna some i'm gonna have friends who were in cadets listen to that and give me some text messages <laughs> but um but i but i was in cadets because i wasn't you know i didn't have very many friends growing up i was bullied a lot and uh especially in junior high i had a hard time in junior high which is and again this came out in 2004 up? Up? Uh, 2009. 2009. Yeah, sorry. So this came out in 2009. I had a very hard junior high, and uh, and uh, high school got a bit better, but junior high was very brutal. In Newfoundland, I'm from Newfoundland, so junior high is grade 7, 8, 9. 12 to 13, 13 to 14, 14 to 15, which is just brutal. And I had a really hard time, so I was in cadets because I just needed something to make friends in and stuff like that. And I remember at first having a hard time with that, so you just... But there's all these activities and goals, you know, like he has the badges, but yeah. like for us it was like rank okay. and getting your pilot's license and your glider pilot's license. Uh, so I did all those things and uh, and I met a lot of friends through it and stuff like that. But I know what it was like to be like in a program like that, just trying to figure out who you want to be and what you what you want to do and just trying to find a purpose and, uh, and seeing that kid. And I just remember being like, oh, I remember going door to door at things and I remember doing all that and then like going to, like, wondering if someone's going to come to your, uh, like, your honorary, like, remember when you give them the pin and yeah, stuff yeah. like that? Like, my aunt, I got my glider pilot's license when I was 16, and my aunt flew in from Nova Scotia, because she got her license 
I got my license like 20 years after she did. So she mm. gave me my wings on the parade. Oh, that's nice. And I remember like, it was just like, because she got me into cadets and she's like my second mom. And my mom was there too and stuff. But like for her to give me the wings was a big deal. And I just, so when he puts the little pin, I remember just being like, oh, I remember that. Like I was like, it's totally a cool moment. And having someone come and support and appreciate the, all the work you've done and stuff like that. So yeah, I definitely for kids, for Russell, for sure. But, but for the old man, it was just also, I just remember being like, yeah, you got to do things. Like, if you want to do something, do it. Don't wait, or else it'll be too late, and then you won't get your chance. And that's like, especially someone who works in the arts and, and comedy and stuff, it's like, that. that's always on your back. Yeah. Like, you got to go out and do it. You got to do this, Mike. You got to do this. So, like, I don't know. And I feel like anybody in any world can think about that and what they want to do in life and be like, I, gotta, I don't want to waste my time, and I don't want to push it back and uh, just take a risk and stuff like that. So, like, it's a big connecting story for something about a talking dog an old man a small boy getting in a house filled with balloons and yeah. going to venezuela and then being attacked by talking dogs yes and somehow dogs. it worked we need to talk about the talking dogs because yeah there's something i mean i knew i loved up pretty quickly yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah like that first 10 minutes uh, as 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 my wife is sobbing next to me <laughs> in the theater uh, at a 10 a.m press screening at yorkdale uh yes. surrounded by children and friends, we're just <laughs> we're we're just weeping. Yeah, uh, and um, finally, I mean, it's the structure of it is incredible because it gives you this heartbreaking descent mm. into you know, like absolute loneliness and despair, mm. and the idea that Carl maybe doesn't want to make it back from this adventure that yeah. he's giving himself, and that there's a desperation. Yeah, the, the 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 way the film moves, the way its pacing works is really something uh because watching it again i realized that there there is this prologue you have this opening sequence which if it had stopped after 10 minutes would have been one of the best movies of 2009 oh yeah yeah and then you have this weird sad slow first act where everything that happens happens for a perfectly understandable emotional reason dramatically Mm -hmm. he assaults somebody yeah, and there's a like that guy. That character gets a moment to sort of reel back and look at the blood in, on his hand, and we get to feel his horror, and we get to see Carl from his point of view, which is something again. Pixar's great at doing this, or just pulling outside the, its story and showing you what it looks like. I mean, in Finding Nemo, it's sort of a joke when you see the fish doing fish things from a distance. Yeah, uh, in the human world, but but Up is spends all this time becoming real. Yeah, even though it's highly stylized. And impossible. Yeah. And it's kind of making a case for itself as, like, animation has to be used this way. You couldn't tell the story in live action because it would be ridiculous. Mm. You would be saying, balloons, how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then, finally, after, what, 45 minutes of this, you get Doug. And it's yeah. just pure joy. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like letting you know that it's okay to love again. It's <laughs> this wonderful character that shows up is the, the second perfect expression of a dog in cinema after Triplets of Belleville, mm. uh, where you had Bruno, this amazing animated dog that was a dog and a character. Mm. And then you get Doug, who is a dog and a character and can talk. And can talk in a very specific dog way, which is absolutely magnificent. Yeah, they, they really nailed the voice of what we all think maybe a dog is thinking. Yeah. Like, it's just this simple little... It's like, each word is like a bark itself. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, I love Boot. I yeah. love you. I just I, met you. I, and I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just something... The whimsicalness of that character is just so perfect. But I agree, it's so funny how, like, they do pull these real moments. 
I'd like to talk more about that moment because I remember seeing that. And sure. There was like a, there was a little like that was pretty quick little scene where he hits the guy. So in up when when they're trying to when he wants to sell his house, forcibly remove him from his home. Right, for they're his building this protection. friggin' mall around him or a condo. It's really a Toronto story, uh, but but it's like. Yeah, it's like I'm not moving any because his life is here and this is all he knows. Mm-hmm. And when he hits him, and because it, it's it's unstated, he wants to die there. Yeah, like, of that's the other thing too that yeah. that's so important. Yeah. His despair is it's not only it's is it palpable, but it's a narrative tool. It's part of the storytelling. Yeah, what was his wife's name Ellie? Was it Ellie? Ellie, yeah, his, yeah. like that, Ellie is the house. Like the house is Ellie. So him wanting to leave. So the idea of someone taking the last bit of Ellie away from him. There's these contractors who want to buy his house and get him out. So when he hits him in the head as like just like it was just like a gut reaction like it wasn't like he he was really going to strike him it just was because it's like a kerfuffle like it kind of just happens and then uh and then he's you see like this switch in carl's face like he goofed like he knows he made a mistake and i remember i think that relates to kids a lot too because especially and anybody it doesn't actually matter kids but like we've all had things where we went a little too far i went it's like when your brother and sister like it's like always the joke of like you're fighting and then you hit one too hard like oh don't tell mom don't tell mom like you know you both say don't tell mom because you know how much trouble you'll both get in but it's that moment of like oh no like you know we've all pushed too hard or this and that and like as a kid and you know you learn not to do that and like when he did it like he and even like the not the audience like the people the the, the, yeah the witnesses the witnesses just kind of like oh dude that guy like hit there and the blood too because you don't see blood in pixar movies so i remember seeing that and i remember even being 19 being like oh whoa this is like I mean I already just saw a woman who can't have a kid like like ten minutes ago that was pretty intense but yeah. I was like wow that kid he hit him really hard and that was when you knew oh he's he's gonna lose his house you know or that's gonna get the ball rolling that's the inciting incident of like now this movie's gonna start happening because yeah. he needs to get this house out of here and stuff like that but I just remember remember that moment happening in that film and even just being like whoa frig like I've done like we've done I, everyone's done something like that and like you you are so sorry because you didn't mean that but like. But he kind of did because he didn't really want to get the hell out of my house and stuff like that. Yeah, but everybody's, yeah, like everybody's right to a degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which then continues on into the self justification of Munson at the end and all yeah. the uh, all the thing, all the the, the, the the sort of megalomaniacal things that have hap- that happened in the third act that yeah. are ludicrous. Yeah. again and completely disproportionate to the story we've been watching because somehow this tiny little sad movie has turned into a film with an airborne 3D dogfight with literal dogs in it. Yeah, I keep forgetting the dogs are in the little planes yeah. too and stuff like that. That's so silly. Which oh. is, yeah, and and again, kind of reflects in a different way. Yeah, like maybe this is the story told by a crazy old man. Yeah. Like this is what Carl will tell people when he comes home, and no one will believe him for a no, second. No, of course. If, if my old uncle or whatever told me this story, I'd think, okay, we can go lie down now. <laughs> uh, this is Big Fish 2 happening yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the dogs. But the oh, dogs yeah. are, yeah. Well, this is the thing that. That's Christopher Plummer does the voice of yeah, the bad guy, right? Yeah. right? What's the bad guy's name again? It was Munson. Isn't it? Mun- yeah. yeah. And he, uh,. Yeah, the, dogs. the Howard Hughes-like figure who disappeared decades earlier. Yeah, because they show the little short film and at the movie theater. Yeah. It's like, I, this week in news. Like, yeah, because little... he inspires Carl and Ellie. Yeah. In uh, yeah. a really strange way. Yeah. And this also underlines that old, you know, you should never meet your heroes because they're crazy old men in in, uh, in South America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and that gets pretty grim, too, when they're like yeah, in yeah. the museum, you see the bones, and he realizes, like, 
Yeah, because what is he searching for again? He was he, he was searching for something. He wanted that, the bird too, wasn't it? It was the bird. Well, was the that's bird right. The first reason he started it. Yes, and then no one believed him, and this and that, and then that's why he was like shunned or something and disappeared, and no one knew what happened. And then they have the bird, and they and found Kevin, it. and no one else. That's did. right. That's right. I just watched this the other night again. I don't know why I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But uh, it's a Fantasia. You're slipping in and out of. I am slipping detail. in and out of things. But, uh, the, but the use of of like, yeah, again, here is a. A movie released in 2009 with Christopher Plummer and Ed Asner, and it's a huge hit. I mean, yeah. Even that sounds insane. Yeah. That, yeah, it, yeah. Made, that it made Remember people... Remember that Ed Asner and Chris Plummer film that made over $300 million in the yeah. box office? And you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, where they fought in the air. And, yeah. yeah. You know what? Another interesting choice about the dogs, too, I really enjoyed was the, the alpha dog having the squeaky voice with the broken thing. Yeah. That's just perfect Pixar humor. Like, that's, like, the contrast. Like, I love contrast humor like that, where you just have someone in a high status but you lower them by but just also just committing like just like he just would say things and the other dogs would snigger and right. like yeah it yeah. just the fact it, that everybody else is aware of it yeah it was very leslie nielsen like he just deadpan says it but there's so much bizarreness around him but in this voice it's the voice and i do love the the bit with the translation caller you know i would like it if you stop if you stop doing that yeah yeah uh that sets up the slow realization for me anyway that Alpha is actually speaking German being translated into English uh, because, he's a, because he's a Doberman. Because he's a Doberman, that's but right. But he's actually speaking that. with the structure, with the construction of German language, ah. where it's very formal and extremely complex. That's interesting. Without That must yeah. be very interesting to do in post when they have... Because they do all... They hire voice actors for every country and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So to translate it and direct it in a sense where they had to have like that in Spanish like they had yeah, to, he had yeah. to say it in, in German but in Spanish and this and like every other I'm like oh man I didn't even think about that yeah I always forget about that about animated movies that there's they have voice actors because we uh, I look at it as oh yeah Ed Asner is the old man of course blah 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 it's perfect casting but in like India it's like oh you know Raj blah, it's like yeah. perfect casting and you're like oh like yeah. there's just different worlds out there seeing the movies in different point of views in yeah. different ways like Xavier Dolan is on the French track for uh, Inside Out oh really I think he plays Fear Really? Yeah. That's so funny. See, getting that, I can't picture anybody but Bill Hader doing Fear. Right. But now why, there's people in his you? country going, I can't picture anybody yeah. else. Like, who the hell is Bill Hader? Yeah, he's a big forehead. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Inside Out, Inside Out is another... Uh, again, I think the mechanics, like we said, about, like, it definitely makes more sense to start, like, if your feelings, if in your head there was a control of all your feelings. Yeah, like, sure. It's like, I get that as a pitch to me. Like, okay. Whereas up again, you're always like, what? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So when I tweeted you, when you tweeted... My my ranking I gave you the top three mm-hmm. since two thousand was up, and then in second place I had Wally, and then right. I had Inside Out. Those right. are my three. It like, would be hard to argue against any of that. Yeah, yeah. I think out of all the ones that, in terms of most fun, though, is The Incredibles. I have the most fun watching that one because it's just, yeah, like what's the name as Syndrome? Um, oh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, like yeah. he just is perfect. And now they're making a second one. Yeah, and uh, ugh, I just I. I know that's what's going to happen with mm. everything because as soon as Disney actually took over Pixar, mm. everything got a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so far, they've been pretty solid. I can't really even complain about Monsters University or yeah. I rewatched Monsters University recently. Yeah, it holds up. It's it not actually bad. is better on the second time because the first time I saw it, I think because I was so in the other world of the emotional stakes of uh, it was much more of an emotional film. Well, this was much more of a fun film, mm-hmm. and I and I needed to kind of let go of the idea that it wasn't going to have like the highest stakes in the world. But I thought Monster University had the best and hardest lesson for a kid to learn or anybody to learn is you 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 may want to be this but uh, you yeah. can't. 
Like yeah, you, can. you may not get to do what you, you want. You may to not do. get to do what you want, and man, that's a brutal thing to accept sometimes. And it is the opposite of every other single family movie. Oh my god, yeah, you can do whatever you want and do whatever, and then they do it at do the it. end. Yeah. And he was just like, "No, you can't." Now he and and he still works in that world and this and that, but it's like, it's like it reminds me of there's a couple of comedy producers I know that I think went through that where they started off as stand-ups. And then they realize, like, their dream might have been to stand up, but now they just produce and they're successful at it and they're doing well and they're having fun. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, I'm not a stand up. I have a friend of mine who's like that. But yeah, that's Monsters University, like, I think it, because it embraces it being a college film and it's more fun and, you know, it, it got great reviews, but it wasn't like, you know, the top tier or of like of Academy Award idea sure, thing. Yeah. But like, that, out of all the Pixar movies, that one has the most brutal lesson to learn in life that, you know, you're not, you're probably not gonna do it. Like you're you're not designed for it, or you're just not good enough, and that's just. But that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And well, I mean, Finding Dory is. Uh, speaking of sequels that take it somewhere. Really oh dark. my god! Yeah. Finding Dory is like is I, watching that film. I just slowly came around. Yep. Someone at Pixar has a special needs kid. That's what this is about. Oh yeah. This is about being the parent of a child with special needs. Yeah. Even more so than showing us really quickly the absolute hell it would have been to be Dory. Oh, yeah. And how she loses everything and and she never knows anything and there's the sense of terror behind every line reading, which I thought DeGeneres absolutely nailed. Yeah, she's so good as Dory and young and and just like knows the voice so well and the because I remember seeing Finding Nemo and just thinking oh she's hilarious like perfect character. And and that's one of the few sequels where the side character became the main character and it worked. Like yeah. you know like we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean and all of a sudden it's like about Jack Sparrow and you're like oh god. No. Yeah. But this like yeah yeah I I don't I I don't know if I'd agree with if, if that Dory would have thought it was hell because all she knows is her own life. No, she doesn't know it. No, we, she, we get to see it. We, we as a people going like because we know our lives and we can't fathom the mm-hmm. idea of having that difficulty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But even the way that Finding Dory opens mm-hmm. and the same way Finding Nemo opened. Oh, I mean, yeah. those are horror movies. Oh They're, God, yeah. yeah. Parent like your kid going missing. Like, mm-hmm. I can I mean I can't speak, but I can only fathom the idea. You know, I mean like I don't have kids, but I mean I mean for God's sakes, if my mom went missing, I'd be like, yeah. I don't know, like I I puke like i'd be freaking out but the of opening of, of nemo has you know the mother being killed and, and that's that, right you don't see and all the children dying except for one it's, yeah it's really horrible yeah it's really really like man they're really good at getting you in the first few minutes I'm yeah like, oh jesus and then you're like then you're hooked on the characters because yeah. you connect with them emotionally i mean i think up is still the most powerful in terms of wreaking its devastation although again wally you know when he turns off turns the light off at the end of that first movement that's yeah again 27 minutes of just heartbreaking perfection oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. wally was so good oh <sighs> they're all good I yeah mean, well now let's talk about cars too well okay <laughs> the cars movies are an abomination unto man and they should not uh i'll give cars one uh, uh, uh i'll give cars one a pass because uh it's not great. Cars mm. 1 is not great by any means. Mm. But, like, I see... It's Doc Hollywood It is cars. Doc Hollywood with Cars. It absolutely is. It's not... An, uh, again, the mechanics of the story, right? Like, mm. okay, we get it. Like, Car wants to get the old town, teaches them the ways, and it's not all about speed, blah, 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 blah. Right. I get that. I think a lot of the problem with that movie is that... Uh, that was John Lasseter when he... Like, that was around the time when, like, they paired up when Disney bought... Pixar, right? Yeah, when right the first that. Cars came out, it was his dream project, and that was his dream project. And it was, and it's such an American movie. You know what I mean? It's such yep. a, yep. it's very American. Uh, the idea of like, you know, like winning and this and being on top and 
And, you know, it's like, and you have this sponsorship world and, and stuff. Yeah. And it has this nostalgia for simply driving. Yeah, and then Route 66. That, yeah. Route 66 on the highway. It's like not that. something that comes out of any other country. Even no. Canada. We just don't have a tradition of, you no. know, driving places for hours and days. No, we have tradition of overplaying for fights to the East Coast. <laughs> like, that's... That's what we do. I've heard this. Yeah. Did you guys see that uh, spin-off planes? Yeah, where they're trying to get to Newfoundland for under $400? Oh, my God. It's <laughs> insane. <laughs> the Canadian version is so much different. Um, yeah, Cars Cars one, I, I I remember seeing it going, yeah, this is, this is good. Like, I remember laughing. I thought Mater was kind of funny, mm. and there was stuff. But then, like, but then they're whatever, $3 billion in revenue they got in merchandise sales. Yeah, it is their most successful... I, I was really stunned when I learned this. I figured it would have been Toy Story, but yeah, the Cars films are their most successful. Because it, it's so easy to merchandise worldwide because it's the concept... Because like, if you look at Buzz... If you look at Woody, he's an American cowboy, yeah. so there's only so far you can get that worldwide. And Buzz Lightyear is space, which is way more universal, but still, it's like... He's an American space yeah. hero. And the peripheral characters don't have the same marketability. Yeah, it's cars not... Cars are... Yeah. Cars. Cars are car so everywhere. Many. Cars are everywhere. And the idea of cars being alive and this and that, like, it's such a simple, like, everyone gets it. <laughs> and you can just... And it translates well. It's still very an American movie in terms of story, yeah. but, like, the idea... So, yeah, when I found out they made $10 billion in merchandise, I was like, what? I was like, these are just... These movies are commercials. Oh, my God. Yeah. Of course they're making Cars 3. Yeah. Um... Which it's looks June very 16th. grim. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen the trailer even. Oh, uh, well... Grim I, how? Uh, well, In so... World. The first teaser... Uh, buddy, you're not Do far the people on. come back to take the cars away? <laughs> so in the first teaser that came out, it was just like a one-minute teaser. You just see, like... You hear, like... Vroom, 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 and it's like close-ups of a NASCAR race, right? Okay. And then you just hear, like, the voice over, And here comes Lightning McQueen. It's very... Dry, and in the colors are washed out. It's more gray. Okay. And all of a sudden, you see the camera angle. You just hear a crash... And then you see, like, it all black, it fades up, and it's just, like, it's, like, the cars are all passing, like, like this way, and you just see Lightning McQueen, like, demolished in the air, going slow, okay. and, like, him breathing, and then it goes to black, and it's, like, Cars 3, and, you're, and I remember everyone being, like, what? Like, this is, like, because Cars 2 is a slapstick spy, spy movie, movie with yeah. Mater for reasons beyond me, except for Toys, 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 but this was, like, what is happening? Like, it, like... There's no, there was never an emotional stakes to, to earn it being this grim, but the new trailers all are all about how he's in, he's he he should retire. He's too old, and there's young people coming. And it's his last shot to to be number one at the title because yeah. he's getting up there and this and that, which is very interesting to try and sell as a kids movie because it's like he's old, like you know, like retirement yeah. and this and that. Like that's not going to connect in anybody's head. But <sighs> anyway, the trailers make it look so heavy. And Mater's not in any of the commercials. He's in one commercial, one part for like a second. Okay. But they're really staying away from all the stuff that all the silliness and making it like about the stakes of just like of um what's the word your history but like legacy? your your legacy. It's all about legacy. Is this one uh, again American American wow. story? I, from the first description of the teaser, I was kind of hoping they're going to go like a six million dollar kachow thing somehow. Yeah, nope. This is very much like Army Hammer plays the young hotshot like that's coming to beat him and stuff like that. That's a good. Comment. And he's just basically relearning racing. Uh, it's kind of like a rehash of kind of like the first one, which is kind of good because if they went some way with the second one again, God, that second one was so bad. Yeah, Cars Two is so. It broke hard. my heart just because you could 
feel because it's the first real bomb by it, not bomb. It, no, it made money. By, like, it was it yeah. made money, but it was the first Creative. like Rotten Tomatoes below sixty percent. Like yeah. it was like critics were like, "This is not good." Yeah, and but you can like, feel Lasseter going, "No, this is fine." Like you can, you shot, can absolutely. This is what I want. This he is, made his dream project. He made his dream, just, and you can see what happens when you have to. That's why the Pixar has a brain trust, and mm-hmm. they all work on it together. Where. I felt like that was very John Lasseter's film. Yeah. And there's some, like, there's little moments in it that are kind of okay. Like, like the idea of a, I, if anything, it made me want to see a Pixar spy movie. Like a proper one. Yeah, a proper one in some way in the vein of maybe, like, but because The Incredibles would probably be too close in yeah. terms of some Well, kind. I mean, the, yeah, The Incredibles is basically, it hits all the notes of a Bond movie without yeah. having a Bond character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. So, like, uh... Superhero fortresses and you know, yeah, they don't need yeah, they'd be too and, treading too many familiar ground. Yeah. But um, oh, now I just want a Pixar Bond movie. I'd love a Pixar. It could even Bond. be live action. I want Brad Bird to direct a Bond film. He could do it. Yeah, I mean, he kind of already did. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Goat yeah. Patrol. Yeah, he's really. Yeah, that was really good. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him do Bond. I'd love to see any of the Pixar guys do Bond, except John Lasseter. Mm. <laughs> kind of tried the first American Bond. <laughs> I mean. They're, they kept trying to do that They're, to reinvent spy uh, I mean, American filmmakers kept trying to do spy movies and just you know it's like Eastwood's Iger sanction you don't want to talk about those results no I know but as far as um, you know working within genre and twisting things yeah Pixar can do literally anything at this point I, I will yeah I they will got coming out the Coco one the, the one that's like the the Day of the Dead festival right that's coming out this fall. November mm-hmm. I believe yeah where it's about a kid who uses music to and now his dad it, it kind of what was that there was a Guillermo del Toro movie that came out not too oh long yeah ago. the Book of the Dead Book of the Dead it's kind of in the vein of that where like he can go into the ghost world with his music though so uh, which is interesting because this is the closest two movies have come together for Pixar that are similar because they had a movie called Newt that got cancelled mm-hmm. so Newt was a movie they had promo art and everything it was about it was too much like the movie Rio so okay. Rio is about the birds and they're the last of their kind so they need to mate and if not then they die off and that's what Rio's about well, Pixar at the same time as developing Newt, which is about a Newt, a blue hand Newt, okay. and there's a female blue hand Newt, and they're in a lab, and then uh, they need to mate, but they hate each other, and that's the, the crux of the story, the right. hook of the story, and then um, and then they go on an adventure trying to get back to the lab or something like that, and I saw all the promo art, I looked it all up because I was curious, but they full out canceled the project because it was way, it was the exact same, they were saying it was too much like this Rio movie that came out. Rio, I didn't even see, and it did fine. It got a sequel, but it's okay. I mean, they're they're fine. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. But uh, I remember just seeing the concept art for Newton, going, "Oh, this looks that that's such a uh, that's a Pixar movie I'd watch for sure." Yeah. So when I got canceled, I'm like, "Nah, shit." I mean, it I don't still know. Sounds I, like a better idea than Rio. Yeah, I'd still love to see. I'd love for them to dust off the ideas for Newt and maybe put a different spin on it or something. But like, I don't know. It just felt like an interesting love story that's not a love story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, now I'm trying to figure out what genre it would have played with. Uh, you know, is it like a His Girl Friday kind of situation? Is it a screwball love? Ah, uh, Pixar's Annie Hall. <laughs> I mean, I'd still watch it. Yeah. Uh, now they got, uh, I don't wonder what else. So they got Coco coming out now, and then they got Toy Story 4, and they got right. the announced Incredibles 2. Right. There's another original, uh, I can't remember what it was. But they're doing original one original, every for every on and off year, the original sequel, original sequel. That's their plan now. Yeah. I guess it's better than sequel, sequel, sequel. It is. I think that it's Pixar and Disney going, listen, we still want to make original films. You guys still want to make money. Here's the deal. Let us be creative this year. The next year, you guys get your creative sequel. Yeah, and one stuff for like us, that. one for you. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the Disney thing. 
it's not enough to own every franchise and rule the box office. They have to continue to pump out things that people already know. Mm. I just, it's not just them. I mean, this is the month where Alien Covenant opened, and oh yeah, that's Fox and Ridley Scott humping that legacy. And did and, you see that yet? Oh yeah, it's it's not good. But then Disney has literally everything else: Marvel and Star Wars, and uh, and the Pixar stuff, which all get sequels now, and they're remaking their original animated classics in these live-action abominations that make a billion dollars. Did you see Beauty and the Beast? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, buddy. That was the most hollow movie I'd ever yeah. seen. How do you make the same film, but 45 minutes longer, and without any of the charm? Yeah, like, like there's only two or three moments. The worst part about that movie is that the only moments I enjoyed were where it was just, like, cut for cut from the original. Like, when you see the cast and they play the song, I was like, hoo-hoo, shivers. And then the rest of the movie happened, and I was like, no, yeah, don't do this. Yeah, I'm just... My my greatest fear is that we start getting live-action Pixar's, that Disney reaches that far back. That's when I'll probably stop. Yeah. I'll just stop. I'll just be like, no, I'm not seeing live-action Toy Story. I'm not seeing live-action... They're just steps away. And, of course, with with CG characters that they would have to do, it would just bring it right back. And then, when, when I saw... Okay, there was when I, um, in the '90s there was the uh, theatrical version of Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. They did the Broadway thing. They mm-hmm. t- they did a run in Toronto, mm-hmm. and I was invited to the first night or the previews or something. Was it good? Uh, no, no, oh. it, was, it was awful. It was three hours long. It was excruciating. We, oh, we left yeah. after the first half. Like we didn't come back. Uh, wow. But what was amazing was there was a child there uh, in the mezzanine, probably above us, mm-hmm. and every time it deviated from the film text. Because the first act alone was longer than the movie. Every time they added something or, or padded it out, yeah. the kid would start shouting, that didn't happen, that's not in there. And I'm, that's how I felt about this, this film, too. Yeah. It's just like, why? You have a movie called Beauty and the Beast. It's perfect and wonderful and just, just stop it. Why here's, do that? Here's what I think the problem is, is that if you're going to do... You can't remake the film shot for shot and then shoehorn in things to make it longer... You have to be completely, be different from the beginning. Right, break with it and come back. Yeah, like, uh, like it has to be its own. You can like loosely be the story, but it should be like a different movie. Yeah, you know I mean? mean, I don't think the Jungle Book works, but that's what they did. Yeah, I and mean, it's not. It's it's actually an adaptation that reveals just how awkward these things are because mm. it shoehorns in music where there hasn't been any. Like there are no songs in the first hour, and then. They have a scene where Baloo and, and Mowgli sing the Bear Necessities, and it's just this weird little interlude where a photorealistic bear is telling a child, well, you don't have a song, everyone should have a song, this is my song, and he sings the Bear Necessities. And singing with uh, Christopher Rock and the Monkey. Well, but then and that's a full-on production number, yeah. and it makes no sense. Yeah. At the end of the film, plus it's terrifying. I mean, you have oh, this, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's do the musical number, but first let's have an homage to Apocalypse Now, and, yes, and yeah. pull all these things that children will not understand. Yeah. And then have the monkey singing and dancing while he tries to kill the child. Yeah, I, I, uh... And Shere Khan straight up murders Mowgli's dad, <laughs> and, like, it's... When they're photorealistic animals, it's just not right. I know, I, I really liked The Jungle Book. I, I was a big fan of it, but I did find that there was... I remember having those problems. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, like, thinking the music, like, can't... You can't go halfway. Like, yeah. It felt... It felt like they were trying to do an attempt of old Hollywood of, like... Like, because uh, Jan Favreau directed it. And yeah. He's a big movie guy. So I picture maybe in his head, his justification might have been, oh, in old movies, you know, like, sometimes a music number will break out and it's just the one or right, whatever. Like self-aware kind of usage. Yeah, but it was just like, 
Yeah, because it just felt... It did feel very, very weird. Mm-hmm. And that's why it makes me hesitant towards The Lion King, where John Favreau's Dark and the Lion King, they're doing heard, the same yeah. thing. And I'm like, are you going to do just one or two songs? Because, like... Well, because they're going to do... I think the songs in that one are so much more important. They are like, so they're, important. They're I think you got to do a lot. Icon- they're like... The iconography of the movie is the yeah. musical numbers, too. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely do Akuna Matata. Yeah. And then... Just uh, can't wait to be king. You kind of have to keep that. Yeah. you got to have those two. And, mm-hmm. but, like... Really? But like I'd be upset if they cut Scar's song right, with the you know, the hyenas and stuff and right. like all the green gas and this oh, and that. Oh god, fire. how are they going to handle the Triumph for the Will references in a live action yeah. kind of movie? That's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm very. I think it'll be interesting. I think it's going to make too much money at the box office. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, if Beauty and the Beast made a billion dollars, this one like there's no stopping it. I think I honestly think the Lion King remake is going to do is going to crack two billion. Jesus, I honestly think so. I think it'll make. I think it'll make six hundred plus million in the at the North American box office, and I think it's going to make a two point two worldwide. That's my <laughs> guess right now. So it'll never stop. Yeah, it'll they'll, never. They'll stop. never stop them. I mean, the only one I I think I really like the only one I can imagine watching again is the Brennus Cinderella because it does. Tell I did its not own see story. the remake of the Cinderella. No songs. Yeah. Abandons all that stuff. Tells the story more or less beat for beat, yeah. but finds a context that works and the. Characters are fun, and the prince has a little more to do, and it's... That's what I heard, uh, that the Cinderella one was actually pretty good, but I heard that, again, like, I think the reason why it wasn't a big, big hit is because it was so much like the original that mm-hmm. it was just like, so now they're trying to learn from that and go, oh, we need to add more stuff, or and, and then now that's making the movies worse. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So they're trying... They or they to- lean into making it more like the original, like Beauty and the Beast does, yeah. where they've, like, they've replicated costumes and they've kept the production design, yeah. but they're just shooting it with people. Yeah, Cinderella follows the narrative, but it's new dialogue and it's mm. new character. Like it's not the same, which is actually yeah. really good. Well, that's good. Or there's Maleficent, the prequel, where just which know, is its own. That's its own. Yeah, thing, at yeah. least they tried something different. And I, that's what I do appreciate about Maleficent. And wasn't there another one that was like in the vein of Maleficent? Uh, there must have been. What was the other film that came out where it was like a remake, but it wasn't quite not Alice in Wonderland. Well, the Alice films are different, right? They, they are follow different. the same narratives. Yeah, they are doing because yeah, she's all. It's like she's been there before. It's almost like their sequels. They are kind of yeah. Yeah, I saw through the Looking Glass this year. Oh, I so me, I, me and my girlfriend or me and my friends were like, if it's like there's nothing to do or it's raining and like we're just not feeling going out, but like we just want to have a few drinks or get a little stone and watch something just ridiculous. There's like this balance of bad movies where it's like <laughs> you got to find something that's. I like to watch. I like to watch big bombs. I love to watch. John Carter, I love to watch, like, I just, just because I like, I'm just always like, how did, what happened? Like, that's my biggest thing with, when big $200 million temples bomb, and they get bad reviews, um, those are the ones I want to see the most, because <laughs> I'm like, what happened? And I remember watching even, and sometimes I like them, and sometimes I'm upset that of how bad they are, but I'm like, but I was through the looking glass, I was like, oh god, this sucks so yeah. much. Yeah. I don't even know what the moral of the story is. I don't know what they're trying to tell me. Yeah, the whole point of the story is that... My parents are dead. Well, I'll go back in time fix it. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. Like She's explicitly told that the thing won't work. Yeah. She's told repeatedly in the first 20 minutes, this quest will fail. I was the most annoying, dumb character in that movie. Because, like... And, like, I thought... And Sasha Baron Cohen's character, the, the time, the, the master time, yeah. he's actually a good guy. He's like, yeah, no, what are you doing? Like, you're gonna fuck everything up. And she does. Yeah. And it's just like... God damn it, Alice. Get the hell out of here. You're not doing anything helpful. That's what happens when you have a release date and no script. Yeah. Or no anything. Yeah. You just, you have, you know, you have Johnny Depp's commitment and Mm. this window of time to shoot it. (sighs) 
You know what I'm thinking about now, though? I'm thinking about what you said about Pixar movies being remade live action. I'm so sorry. To and I'm that. so nervous. I'm thinking of casting and everything in my head now <laughs> and stuff. Like, who would play... Cause, let's well, say, Tom Hanks' Woody would make sense because he'd be old. Like, just as an old toy, you can maybe get away with that. For sure, but they won't do that. No, no. he would never do that. So I'm just trying to picture who would actually play Woody and Buzz and Bo Peep and everything as, mm-hmm. like, live action. I want to see Nathan Fillion play Buzz Lightyear. I think he can do it. I think he's got the right... Oh, man. He's got yeah. the right bearing. And oh, my God. That's yeah. actually pretty good. I would watch that. Although, watch if you want to go younger, then... Uh, I don't know. I don't think you should go younger. Like, he should look like somebody who was kind of a, an astronaut. But Buzz, yeah, and, Buzz Lightyear is, in my head, he was, like, you know, 30s, 40s. Like, he's an older astronaut. Yeah. Like, he's been through it, and he's got stories to tell. Yeah, you know? he's a veteran. I mean, it's so funny, because he did the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the... TV cartoon. Did he really? No, no, no. I'm, I'm getting to it. But Patrick Warburton. Oh. He did uh, the voice of Buzz Lightyear. Warburton's and, great. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, and he did the tick. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of see Patrick Warburton has Buzz Lightyear in it. Because in he's that dumbfounded, like, you know, like, like thinking he's a real spaceman. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Woody, I don't know who you'd get to play like a 30. Because I think Woody's a little younger than Buzz. In my head. I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. right or wrong, but. I don't know who you'd have play him. Sam Rockwell. Is he a little too old now? Uh, no, but Sam, Sam Rockwell actually would yeah. be pretty friggin' perfect. I mean, I would put Sam Rockwell in anything. Yeah, but Sam you Rockwell know, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, you know what makes me think of him as perfect? I think of Iron Man two when uh, oh, when yeah. Whiplash is tearing things apart. He's like, oh great, oh he's you know like oh blah, 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 like yeah. just like that. And I'm like, that's Woody. Like you're a toy. I can yeah. see Sam Rockwell going, you're a toy. Like, oh that actually yeah, would be pretty good. Right. I'd hate the movie, but I, I would <laughs> I would hate that it got remade with live action. But now I'm thinking about Up. Yeah, I was like about that, to say, I think yeah. Up is, is live action proof. Yeah. Because short of a CG, I mean, you'd have to have so much CG anyway. Yeah. For the dogs and yeah. for Kevin. And and Ed Asner, Ed Asner could play the old man, Carl. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, if, but we, but if, we, if we shouldn't, if we don't yeah. do that. Like the voice performance is fine. I think the physical, I saw him on Broadway a couple of years ago and I don't know that he's physically up to walking yeah, around probably, on the yeah. sets at this point. Well, in terms of who can play old right now, that would if they had to cast it tomorrow and it was coming out in 20, May 31st, 2019. Mm-hmm. I would, uh, you know who I would want? He's dead, unfortunately. Walter Matthau. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I just, yeah, like he's been dead forever. Oh! Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill would be great. Ed O'Neill would be great. Yes, he would. He would because he almost is that in Modern Family. Yeah, and he's got Pixar cred from from Finding uh, Dory. Yes. Oh, Ed O'Neill would be a good. Yeah. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons would be a great old man for up. Actually. You might not believe the turn. You might not want him to warm up. No, because J.K. Simmons is always more fun when he's pissed off. But I, but J.K. Simmons is so tall and jacked. He's too vital. Yeah. He's too. Yeah. I now I'm trying to think of but like but Ed O'Neill's a good. Choice. Ed O'Neill's got the like he looks like uh, like yeah. you know. But you know what's so funny? Ed O'Neill and uh, what's the kid in Modern Family is his son. Holy shit! Yes, it's Russell. He, he would have been perfect as. Uh, That's a pairing. That's a perfect pairing. Yeah, especially young him. Now he's a little too old. Little Manny, yeah. Yeah, but Little Manny, oh my god, that would have been, that's the movie. Well, we can do it digitally. But yeah. of course, we still have to, you don't need it if it's digital. Yeah. It's just, but you know what, if they want to do, if they want to switch it up too, they should do, um, what if they did a little girl instead? Like a Girl that Scout. That could totally work. Yeah. Imagine the pushback from Disney uh, Pixar fanboys who believe it's ruining their childhood. Oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, shut, oh god, that stuff irks the hell out of me. But, uh, I mean, 
sure, you get upset, but I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. This is the thing that I hold very dear to my identity, and my identity is so fragile that I can't conceive of it. The small boy and up, chubby's the same. Uh, (laughs) It's the same. Um, But you know who would be really good? Again, too old now, but uh, Abigail... um, Breslin? Yeah. yeah. She, I could see her, especially her Little Miss Sunshine. Like, yeah. That, yeah. I, you know? I was thinking of Una Lawrence, who is in everything right now. She's yeah. done, she was Jake Gyllenhaal's daughter in Southpaw, and she was somebody else's daughter in a movie that also opened that. Like, she she looks like the kid from Dan- from Despicable Me. Mm. She looks exactly yeah, like that. Yeah, she's perfect. She'd be fine. Uh, Bill Hader as Doug. Bill Hader could work. Yeah. Like, just like in a dog suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a dog suit. State of a motion capture performance. Just yeah. Bill Hader in a dog suit. And in terms of the villain, uh, it would be Christoph Waltz. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, it's almost too on the nose, isn't it? I guess, yeah. He's the villain. He's the he's villain and everything. Yeah, but I, but just because, like, even physically, like the, yeah. like, the one he played. But I could see Christoph Waltz playing the... the kind of beetle browed thing going on. He does, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I had to pick... If, 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 if he's too typecast as that... Uh, another great choice probably be for the the villain. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's too young for it or something like that. But you almost picture like a Mads Mikkelsen mm. kind of thing. I was going to say they just go totally against type and do the gender switch there. Make it Kate Blanchett. Yeah, somebody who can be really intimidating and really. Yeah, did you see her in the? Did you see the Thor trailer? No, not yet. Oh yeah, she's she plays Hela in that, and she looks awesome. She looks mm. so terrifying and so good. I just I loved her so much. It's this is gonna the only thing I like about Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull is Kate Blanchett. She is mm. she knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah, and she is giving a great performance in a terrible movie that no one will ever give her credit for. You know who else would be good if you keep with really old old age? Because he's supposed to be older than Carl, right? That's right. Yeah, because yeah. he inspired Carl. He inspired Carl. So even though he looks younger, but like because he's you know he's an adventurer, he probably kept younger and stuff. But uh, if you want to do this, still do the the gender swap and still have but uh, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren would yeah. be a great like villain. Ian McKellen, although again he's done that like he's done calculating bad guy. Yeah, know. but he but yeah yeah that's a lot. Actually, there's way more people. Helen Mirren would be great. Helen Mirren's great. Mirren. All right, so now that we've cast this, we must burn it. So yeah, it never yeah, yeah. yeah. And then last minute, I'd say uh, I'd say um, uh. What's his name? Uh, Kevin Hart as the dog, the German dog who's... Oh, Alpha? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so just because I feel like that's like he'd play like a silly trying yeah. to be serious and no one taking him seriously, that pretty much is yeah. Kevin Hart. But I, I don't know if I'd want Kevin Hart to have a role. Yeah, he would bring, you know, he's box office gold, Kevin Hart. But if you went like pro, I'd get like Bobby Monaghan from SNL. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so the final question on the podcast is always the same, which is what of... Up, if anything, have you kind of riffed on or borrowed or stolen or incorporated into your own creative DNA? Oh man, I would say, I think going back to like what we said about it, it's almost like a glorified improv scene where you just accept everything. Yeah, I think it's so funny because interesting enough, uh, with my stand up, I've been doing stand up since 2012 13. Like, I was a I did the comedy writing program at Humber and I moved to, here from Newfoundland in 2011 thinking I was going to be on the main stage at Second City. Like. That's where my head was. Everybody thinks that. Everyone thinks that. Like, I wanted to be a, uh, a sketch person, an improv person. I loved doing it. But then I started doing stand-up, and I loved it way more. And I took it too seriously. And I trying too hard to be, like, edgy or whatever. Like, I'm not... An, I'm a very silly, light... Just, I'm, that's who I am. And I kind of tried too hard to be like everybody else. And only recently have I just embraced just being, like, acting sillier on stage and talking about sillier things and 
finding weird angles in it and just talking about birds and just like hilarious silly things I think about and but also just really heightening those things and going in ways that are just kind of different and just accepting those realities and not overthinking it and just going with the flow of it right. and I feel like like a movie like Up makes me think of that of just like you know it just just because it doesn't make sense on paper doesn't mean you can't make it work you know what I mean and yeah, like yeah. there's a story to tell and everything and also Up it really made me feel like that you can everything has a story it, you just gotta know how to tell it you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I did like and I I'm, I'm I did the Toronto Fringe last year and it was all storytelling and a lot of my stand up has always been storytelling and I feel like Up is one of the best examples of amazing storytelling because it makes you connect to an old man, a kid, a talking dog, a bird, and you feel so emotionally connected to these characters and you're with them on their story that like you can tell a story really about anything as long as it's great storytelling when you connect to the characters. And I feel like Up is the perfect example of that. Okay. Yeah. I just want to watch it again now. I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I didn't have to go catch up with some friends at 6 o'clock for Deggers, I would totally watch up in this little theater right now. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be amazing. Also, I'll say this about Up. A side note, my favorite moment in 3D is with Up, actually. because That came out in 09. When it like, was their first 3D film. It was their first 3D film. And it made me... I didn't see very many 3D films at that time. I think I... When did Avatar come out? Same year, 2009. Same year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was like when 3D was exploding. I saw Avatar, and I remember being like, holy crap, this is a crazy big world and a terrible movie. But uh, Up, when they're on the blimp, yeah. and you do the cartoonish, like, one's holding the feet, one's holding the like they're, they're making the chain. Yeah, yeah. I remember when they did the camera up, the point of view of looking down, and 3D was always about, in your face, and, you know, but this was not in your face. This showed depth, and yeah. it showed how high they were. Man, I remember seeing that, and I'd be like, oh, like, I, I have a fear of heights. <laughs> I, that scene, I still get, like, oh, I gotta sit down. Like, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is too much for me right now. 19-year-old me is very nervous. (laughs) But, um, yeah, man, if I could take anything from Up, though, like, uh, great storytelling. Just, just like, great storytelling that, and making you connect with characters you should not connect with. And that's, like, what Pixar does best. Mm -hmm. So, for sure. My thanks to Ryan Dillon, who'll be doing comical things around Toronto here and there, and hosting the 2017 installment of the East Coast Comedy Review down at Harbourfront Centre on Friday, July 14th at 8pm. You, uh, you want to catch that. It's a, it's a pretty good lineup. You can find Ryan on Twitter at TheRyanDillon, all one word, and you can find Up on Blu-ray and DVD from Walt Disney Home Entertainment. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play, but, you know, I say this every week, the Blu-ray is spectacular. That's the way to see it. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. You are clever and smart. Thanks for listening. I'm afraid you just too darn loud.